Podcast dedicated to suspense and horror stories from the golden age of radio. I'm Eric. I'm Tim. I'm Joshua. We love scary old-time radio stories. There's nothing quite like a disembodied voice telling a genuinely disturbing tale. But do these stories stand the test of time, or are we being deceived by nostalgia? Are they suspenseful or forgettable, bone-chilling or butt-numbing? Well, that's what we're here to find out. This week, I chose an episode of Macabre entitled The Man in the Mirror, and it has nothing to do with the music of Michael Jackson. (laughs) Macabre was produced in the Far East Network Tokyo Studios, part of the Armed Forces Radio and Television Service. Despite being a short-lived amateur production, the series aired worldwide. Macabre was the result of a friendly competition between the Far East Network and the Armed Forces Network Germany. The Armed Forces Radio and Television Service headquarters in Los Angeles listened to tapes sent in from each and declared the Far East Network Tokyo the winner. The first episode was broadcast on November 13th of that same year, and the last episode aired on January 8th of 1962. Before entering the Air Force, William Vendier had worked for NBC and CBS with credits including Inner Sanctum and Suspense. He was an assistant production director when he became the driving force behind Macabre, serving as writer, performer, and director. Forget the petty distractions around you. Forget what you think you know. Forget everything but what you hear right now. It's late at night, and a chill has set in. You're alone, and the only light you see is coming from an antique radio. Listen to the sounds coming from the speaker. Listen to the music, and listen to the voices. Man lives in a world of time and space. He lives in a spectrum of the universe. When he ventures beyond this limit, he is in the unknown, a realm where strange forces are brought into play. When man attempts to misuse these forces, he is sometimes destroyed. This is Macabre. Network presents, in special performance, Macabre, tonight's story, The Man in the Mirror. here. Why can't they make their repairs on off hours? No, gotta blast away during rush hour traffic. What's the matter with that guy ahead? How come he's slowing down? That'll teach him. <laughs> Boy, I'm tired. Hard day at the office. Peg's got a hot supper waiting at home. I'd like to get there sometime today. That guy ahead didn't pay any attention to me at all. Come on, Buster, speed it up. 76, I want to get home. 
car that'll leave you in nothing flat, buddy. <laughs> How's that for speed, eh? Hey, truck. I can see it coming. I'm thinking back here on collision. Oh, no, no, no. I can't, can't get away. See him, Jerry? Ah, so much blood. But I think he's bent over the steering wheel down there. Shine that light where you need. Sure. See him now? Hmm. Move your light up just a bit. Like this? Yeah. Hold it there. Good Lord. What's wrong, man? I hope you've got a strong stomach, pal. What's eating you? Look down there. Where his face should be. I, uh, I don't see it at all. Yeah. That's what I mean. Not a chance to save this one, nurse. Careful, you need to be conscious, Doctor. I doubt it. Another minute or two, and you'll be all over. Sponge the blood, please. He's bleeding too fast. Yes, poor fellow. Even if he lived, couldn't get through life like this. Doctor, respiration irregular. Won't be long, I'm afraid. Scalping. I can hear every word they're saying. I can't move. Paralyzed. Scissors. Respiration shallow. Hardly with the effort. Nothing can save this man. Please, Doc, don't quit. I know you can't hear me, but please try. Help me, Doc. Don't shake your head. I'm not homeless. I want to live. Doctor? Yes? Respiration stopped. Mm, I see. Don't give up. I want to live. I don't want to die. Are you going to open his chest, Doctor? Heart massage? Yes. Absolutely hopeless. There isn't a chance. He may take another breath in a moment. Another breath? Yes. Yes, I will. Don't give up. You'll see. I'll help. I'll breathe. You'd better wash up, nurse. Oh, don't leave. A breath, doctor? Hmm. Spasmodic. Probably his last. I'm still alive, doc. Try to save me. Help me, for God's sake. Stethoscope. Choice, John. It's crazy. How can you expect me to believe a thing like that? 
Is he dead, Doctor? I don't know in a moment, nurse. You have no time to argue. Decide quickly. When you die, you'll be beyond my reach. Oh, I'm sinking, growing weaker and smaller. If you're dying, decide. Uh, uh, I will. It's a bargain. Good. In just a moment, it'll be one hour ago. You'll be on the freeway driving home in your car. But remember, John Randall, I'll be back one week from tonight to settle. Where will I find you? In the mirror. Just look for me in your bedroom mirror. <laughs> Goodbye, John. <laughs> Don't forget our little agreement. <laughs> make their repairs on off hours? No, gotta blast away during rush hour traffic. What's the matter with that guy ahead? How come he's slowing down? I'll teach him. <laughs> hey, just had one of those familiar feelings. As if this had happened before. Strange. Now it's gone. Seems I almost remembered something unpleasant. It's not to pass that car up ahead. I don't think I'd better. wonder why. having steak for supper. And she's one wife who expects her husband to be on time. Why, you were hungry tonight, John. You ate like a condemned man at his last meal. Hey! Oh, I startled you, darling. Why so deep and quiet? Uh, nothing. Just thinking. John, I honestly believe you've been working too hard, especially since you fell asleep driving home today. Oh, let's take a week off together and run down to Mother's. A week? Yes, dear. We haven't vacationed in two years. Not since we were married. Mother says we can have the cottage on the lake. You called your mother? Just before you came home. Please, John. She wants us to come down. It's really a very nice lake. And you know how you like to fish. I don't think the office can spare me. Ask them. It takes time. We need plans. I can't just pick up and leave my job any time I want. Say yes, darling. It'll be our second honeymoon, and I don't see much of you anymore. Oh, Peg. <laughs> what would I do without you? Oh, not too well, I hope. <laughs> darling, I love you. <laughs> tell you what. Call that old law firm you slave for and tell them not to expect you back for a week. But, Peg, I can't... John! This bruise. Did, did you hurt your forehead? <laughs> Sore. Don't touch it. How'd it happen? I don't know. I probably banged it and I fell asleep driving home. That settles it. I'll call Mother in the morning and tell her to expect us. You need more rest, darling. 
Why, one of these days you may be killed driving home in all that traffic. Read the paper now while I clear away the dishes. All right, Peg. I'm overworking. Let's head through. I've never had an hallucination in my life. No, no, no. I'll check this thing out. Uh, could you, uh, I mean... Uh, this is the city hospital. May I help you? Yes. Uh, would you check to see if a man hurt in a collision died there this afternoon? What was his name, please? Randall. John Randall. Thank you. Just a moment. This is ridiculous. Asking about my own death. Must be crazy. Got to know. Be sure. Couldn't have happened. It's all surreal. Hello? Uh, yes. Did you find it? Emergency has no record of a John Randall accident victim. No record? You haven't made a mistake? No. Who's calling, please? Who's calling? Lady, you wouldn't believe me if I told you. What's the matter? Can't sleep. It's too hot, I guess. Nearly five. Time to get up soon. Want some hot coffee? Uh, maybe I'll drop off for a nap. You haven't slept all night? I don't think so. John, something must be wrong. You always sleep like a log. Don't get excited now, Peg. Shall I call the doctor? You know you've been working too hard. No, I'm fine. Will you keep quiet so I can try to get some rest, though? Oh, all right. You haven't said a thing about going to Mother's. Peg... I'm dead tired now. Shut up, will you? John, what's that on your forehead? No tricks, young lady. Now, turn over and keep quiet. Darling, wait. I'll turn on the light. <gasps> John! It's blood! What? Your, your forehead, it's, it's bleeding. No, Peg. No, it didn't happen. I imagined the whole thing. Accident really didn't happen. Accident? John, you lie right there. I'll call Dr. Shane. Don't, Peg. You must have cut a vein. <gasps> Look at your pillow. You've been bleeding all night. I've examined you thoroughly, John. I can't find a thing really wrong. But we may have to go to my office for further tests. How do you explain the blood, Doc? I don't. There's no evidence of a wound at all. Where'd all this blood come from? That presents a puzzle. Of course, we're not really certain it's really your own blood. We'll have to make tests. In the meantime, why don't you tell me the truth? What are you talking about? John, I've been your family doctor for many years. You're as healthy as they come. Now you hint of some... Uh, accident that never happened. You complain of a soreness in the region of the forehead and all this blood from some imaginary wound. Now, really, what do you expect me to think? Doc, you think I'm crazy. I didn't say that. You don't have to. There's more to this than meets the eye. The understatement of the year. Ah, put yourself in my place. What would you say? Sunday to the hospital, I guess. That's more like it. Now, tell me what really happened. Start with the blood. I can't answer that. If you want me to help, you'll have to tell the truth. I'm trying to, Doctor. It couldn't possibly have come from you. But I... There isn't a mark on your body. Who do you think you're kidding? Ah, uh, impossible. Doc, you wouldn't believe me if I told you. Yeah. Give it a try. They might. <sighs> Maybe I should have died on that operating table. What? All right. I'll tell you. 
You'll think I'm nuts, but so help me, it's the truth. All started yesterday, and I was driving home on the freeway. I thought I had an accident. What do you mean, thought? Aren't you certain? Let me finish, Doc. I hit this truck. They rushed me to the hospital. I was dying. Face torn off. Blood everywhere. And then, just before I died, a voice called to me. You're my name and everything. He said he would save me for a price. I had to agree. What did he ask? Didn't say. Just said he'd be back in a week to settle. Where are you supposed to meet this man? That's the funniest part. He said to look in my bedroom mirror, and he'd be there. Then what? Found myself back on the freeway as if nothing had happened. I got home. I checked the hospital. They had no record of an accident victim of my name. I could have told you that. What do you think, Doc? I'm not trying to pull a fast one. I'm scared. You blacked out for a moment while on the freeway, fatigued from overwork. I've ruled out the possibility of a small stroke. Recovery was uh, too rapid. Blacked out? Uh, fatigue acts in strange ways, John. Sometimes makes it difficult to separate fantasy from reality. You've pushed yourself to the breaking point. You, you'll have to be careful. You don't believe it happened? Yes, yes, it certainly did. But only in your mind. Sounds reasonable. What about my forehead? It's pretty sore. Probably sympathetic. That leaves the blood. If it weren't for that, I'd dismiss you right now with uh, just a warning to slow down. I'm taking a sample of it back to the office with me. I want you to come along. What about Peg? Leave her home. We'll call her later. There's something here I don't quite understand. <laughs> John, what did you find out? That's what I want to talk to you about. He's in the other room. He can't hear us. Is it serious? The blood on the pillow matches. It's his, all right. But I can't figure out where it came from. He checks normal in every way, with one exception. Oh? The results of the EEG test show a brainwave irregularity. Now, it would seem that John received a hard blow on the head. However, I can find no physical evidence to verify this. What does it mean, Doctor? Hard to tell at this point. I think he's nervously exhausted from overwork, practically in a state of shock from this nightmare of a freeway accident. That's pure fantasy. You must help him overcome it, Mrs. Randall. My mother wants us to visit her for a week on the lake. Splendid. By all means, go and then make John rest. Do you think he'll be able to leave today? The sooner the better. And Mrs. Randall... Yes, Doctor? Your husband has a fixation about some man in a mirror. It's a dangerous thing. It might grow. Try to convince him it never happened. Oh, darling, we'll have so much fun. Yeah, sounds good to me. Mother's given us the house on the lake where we can be all alone together. Second honeymoon, Peg. And we'll forget that, that thing on the freeway. We'll forget it. It didn't happen. It didn't happen. Oh, John, I'm so glad you're sensible about it. Yes? Mm. <laughs> I love you, Peg. Oh, I brought the tennis racket. She talks about tennis at a time like this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's hurry, darling. Sure, Peg. We deserve one last good time together. <laughs> Thank you.
Oh, thanks. Coffee would be nice, though. Coming up. Oh, this country air is wonderful. Five whole days of fishing, tennis, dancing, and fun. Pass the donuts, Peg. Yes, my lord master. Ah, but you're pretty well trained. We'll have to relax like this more often. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, darling, it's so good to see you laugh. We can't let you get down like that again, can we? I wasn't so bad. Don't miss you at that old law firm. John, if they don't make you a full partner, you're not going back. Well, what'll we do today? Oh, it's beautiful this morning. I know. Take me to the village to shop. Okay. I get my coat. Off we go. Honey, haven't you forgotten something? What? Mr. Randall, do you realize that in the five days we've been here, you haven't shaved once? I know, Peg. Well, look at yourself, dear. You'll have to before we go shopping. Here, take my compact and see how you look in the mirror. No! John! You ruined it. You deliberately threw it on the floor. I'm sorry. Really, Peg. But why? Oh, John, you didn't want to look in the mirror. Peg. Oh, what a fool I've been. You're not getting over it. It's growing worse. Don't cry, darling. I'm trying. You believe that that man is real, don't you? I don't want to, Peg. I don't want to. Dr. Shane warned me about this. He said it's up to you, John. You have to make up your own mind. It's only fantasy. Or you might spend the rest of your life in that that, that other world. Is that bad? Yes, darling. Please, please try. Uh, It's like telling my right hand my left one doesn't exist. Oh, you've got to try. All right, I'll try. Dr. Shane said if you give in, he'll have to take you away. Answer. It's not daylight yet. He's not in bed. Where is he? John? John? Shh! I'm here. By the window. What? The matter, darling? Don't you feel well? Quiet. Look out there. Can you see anything? Just the lake, the moon, and the trees on the other side. Shh! Listen. There is something out there. Maybe a dog. No. Dogs aren't that large. What did you see? I can't be sure. When I woke up, a shadow was at this window. My poor darling. Don't pity me, Peg. Dr. Shane said fixations with a time limit usually leave after the limit has passed. Shh, be quiet. There's nothing out there. Now come back to bed. This is the seventh and last day, darling. That man's not coming back because he never existed in the first place. Please, John, you just have to get by today. And then you'll be free. There's so peaceful in the porch here by the lake. What's the time? Almost seven. Time's passed. We're safe. John, I'm proud of you. You won, darling. You stood your ground and won. Yeah. Really a sweat, eh? It just has to end this way. No one believes in witches and phantoms anymore. We're too scientific. Yeah, I can think clearly for the first time in a week. Now that it's over. Oh, 
we have this wonderful lake all to ourselves tonight. Mother went to the village, and no one for miles around. Isn't it romantic? Thanks for standing by me. Is that a proposal, sir? Darling. Hmm. What'd you like to do this evening? Walk around the lake? Hey, not bad. Hold on while I get some cigarettes in the bedroom. All right. Shane says you're a figment of my imagination. So you're not real. And how do you know Dr. Shane is real? Because I can see him and talk to him. Can you not talk to me? I've never seen you. Look into that mirror. Oh. such a terrible accident in a bedroom. Main point I can't figure, though, is why you didn't call me sooner. Mr. Randall's been dead a week. Macabre, a special Far East Network presentation. In our cast were John Buey as the man in the mirror, Mitzi Hennessy as Peg, William Verdier as John, Walt Sheldon as Dr. Shane, Carolyn Johnston, and Milton Radmilovich. Technical supervision was by Airman Larry Clemens and Air Force Sergeant Bob Eddy. This is Air Force Sergeant Al LePage speaking. Macabre was written and directed by William Verdier.
Macabre comes to you each week at this time through the worldwide facilities of the United States Armed Forces Radio and Television Service. episode of Macabre here on the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society podcast. Once again, I'm Eric. I'm Tim. I'm Joshua. All right. Um, I'd like to start our discussion of this stating how much I hate the word macabre. <laughs> it is, I hate this word. It is my whole life. I've never been able to figure out how to pronounce it. And it got worse because the CBS Radio Mystery Theater, which we're going to talk about in a couple, weeks from, a couple weeks from now, it's in their opening or in their close of that. Mm-hmm. And the word is pronounced differently, not only era by era, mm-hmm. but from city to city. They pronounce macabre, right? Macabre. Yep. That's... And then some people even give it a little bit of the br- macabre. Macabre. <laughs> and then some people, and this is macabre. Makes me crazy. I hate the word macabre. I had always pronounced it macabre. Yeah. And then because in this episode they say macabre, yeah. I felt obliged to do and it. And I don't way. know if that's a Midwest macabre, because um, it sounds like macabre. It's, <laughs> it sounds I think like it's it would be the French origin that it's supposed to be sort of macabre. <laughs> the word has just always made me nuts. No one knows how to pronounce it. No one has ever figured it out ever. <laughs> It's impossible. So I have. A we should ho- just give up on this episode. I <laughs> almost get past did. The name of the show. <laughs> I almost did. Oh, macabre, bra, cabra. I'm not listening. <laughs> Tim, why did you pick this one? Um, uh, there's a little sort of exposition that goes into this. Uh, so you guys probably know, but the listeners don't necessarily know it. I'm a board game guy. I play a lot of board games. Work in the industry a little bit. And so this was described as you know, sort of amateur production, uh, even though it's not necessarily fair because a lot of the people behind it were professional uh, radio technicians, but not necessarily writers, directors, performers. So listening to this with the ears of this, this is a production put on by amateurs. Back to the board game thing. A lot of times if you play a board game with someone who's really good at it, you learn new things because they're really good at it. But sometimes you play against someone who is completely new because they don't know what is supposed to be the wrong way to play. <laughs> They can teach you things you would have never found out in a million years. And so this episode to me was that of they, – they did some amazing things in this episode that I don't know was what they thought was the good part. <laughs> yes. But, yeah, that aspect is specific what really intrigued me about Give this. Give me an example of, of something that you thought was unintentionally amazing that they did. Uh, the main thing was the fact that until he actually smacks that mirror away from himself – you have no idea that he's not been looking in a mirror every day. That mm-hmm. He doesn't even mention as a narrator whether or not he's looked in the mirror for days after he's made well, the, this deal. There's the reference to not shaving. Yeah, but that's that's the moment of, like, you haven't shaved and then he right. refuses to look. Right, so right. retroactively, I, I right. as a listener, realize, like, for days he's been terrified looking in a mirror and he never lets on as a narrator. 
I will tell you this, that until uh, just a few minutes ago when we recorded the opening to this, I did not know this was done by amateurs. I did not know that this was not a, a professional performance. Uh, so I'm really shocked to hear that. I didn't, to me, sound amateur at all. It sounded great. Like I say, it's a little unfair to say it's amateur because they, these are people who have worked in radio. Oh, yeah, yeah. But they're not. But it was a contest. They weren't hired to produce right. this show. Right. right. So in that capacity, they weren't professional. I will say now that I know that, I think that the man, the uh, the main character. John Randall. Mm-hmm. It does explain kind of his stilted delivery. Yes. Yeah, I had a hard time getting past it. He sounds like the love child of Rod Serling and, <laughs> right. and Jack Webb. You right. know, it's, I thought it was intentional, but it could and just... It, it might have been, but I thought the choice sort of distanced yourself. Yep. I, I, yeah, I, I couldn't feel I like the, understand the character. And, and with the woman, who Ooh. I thought was fantastic... She sounded like she'd like taken helium. And that, <laughs> right, she was so high-pitched. That contrast was really weird I thought me. the contrast between just their acting styles yep. was kind of weird because I thought she was really great and I thought she was doing a different show than he was, you know, <laughs> like just style-wise. But that explains a lot, you know. But it yeah. didn't bother me enough for me to go, oh, I'm having a hard time getting by it. I just thought, oh, well, he's making some odd choices. Well, to, to what Tim was describing, like I think the whole scene when the doctor is operating on him and he's trying to talk to the doctor yeah. and the sounds on the page, that's a really great scene that is, again, I think kind of let down by the performances. I really? Think it reminded me of the Austin Powers, like, I'm still alive yeah. bit in Austin Powers because he's, <laughs> like, he's, he's like desperately, he sounds really kind of stilted, like, no, please, doctor, please. And I think it was a performance wow. thing that just felt a little off and there was some sound level things off where I felt like the heartbeat which was a great idea underneath it all or whatever or it was the machinery going mm-hmm. uh, during the operation or examination kind of I couldn't hear what the doctor and nurse were saying all the time the audio part also comes into play later when he does die in the room there was a whole yeah. 20 seconds where I'm like what's happening and I listened to it a few times I'm like I can't discern who's saying talking when he's you? screaming that yeah, he's yeah. bleeding yeah, yeah. Yes. And then she runs, I finally hear him say, run and get help. And I'm like, okay, I think that was terribly produced. But going back to what you were just saying, I, in my note here, it says one of my favorite parts is him trapped inside his body. I thought that performance was fantastic, being operated on, and he can't move, but he can see, you know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah. I think that is not only a classic, um, being trapped inside your own body and and no one being able it's to hear you is terrifying yeah. thing but i thought it was really well done i that was one of my favorite parts i didn't catch anything where i went oh that's a little goofy i it made me it. laugh and you know again <laughs> you, 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 everyone's a little different like right, right, right. i think it comes down to his performance the yeah. guy who played john randall that the, he just didn't sell it and it's such an absurd scenario that you've got to really shut the door right. on any sort of disbelief on the listener really quick for something that's so preposterous I thought that, he did, but yeah. you didn't? Yeah, you cut it a little bit goofy. It, it helped. Like, it rescued it when the strange disembodied yeah. voice came in, because I think that actor's really good. Yep. It sounded like it was the same guy who played the doctor. They sounded a little similar <laughs> in voice. <laughs> so he might have, like, just tweaked his voice. But I thought that guy was really scary. I thought the actor uh, playing Randall uh, at the end, even though the audio was off at the beginning, we were talking about the <laughs> screaming, but when he is having that conversation with the disembodied voice and dying at the end, I thought that scene was really great. I thought it was real great performance. Did you find that over the top and a little accidentally comic? No, I think because the situation he didn't have to sell as hard as the situation at the operating table. Right. You know, and he just could you know, scream and sound terribly horrified. And I think it's easier to alarm you as a listener. Plus, you've had this whole buildup. 
you mm-hmm. kind of know what's going on at that point. I think the the problem I had on the operating table is that you were kind of being introduced to the rules of this story, like uh, how supernatural it's going to get. And like I said, it made me laugh, which was a stumbling sure. block for some of the rest of it for me. Although I think there were some really interesting scenes that I hadn't seen played that way. Back to Tim's point, I thought when he uh, John goes to the doctor to tell him I've been this strange stuff has been happening. I have this blood on my forehead, but no wound. In most of these stories in this horror genre, that would be a quick scene. The doctor would just be like, "Here, take some tablets." It was really interesting to see a doctor portrayed as being really thorough. Mm-hmm. He does. He does. He he talks through the whole thing with him. He has like a brain scan done. He double checks that it's not a stroke, and he identifies the one thing that is totally bizarre about this situation that he's been bleeding from the forehead, but there's no wound. And it was just, it it seemed like someone writing a scene who didn't quite understand that usually you could do it just with shorthand, but it accidentally became interesting because yes. they didn't they didn't know they could do the doctor scene really short and brief <laughs> like most right. radio shows. Uh, one of the things that first struck me when I was listening to this that made me think, wow, this would be a good one to listen to, was uh, how grisly that car accident was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It tore his face off, <laughs> which I don't think since Poltergeist and the head being squished by a rock, we had anything this grisly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Your face was torn. <laughs> <laughs> Bad car accident. Yeah. This is a great story. In yeah. my opinion, it's classic. Being trapped inside your own body is terrifying to think about that. Help me, help me, help me. Being approached in there yeah. <laughs> by someone, like, whoa, you're in here too. And and then making that deal, that's another classic, making a deal with the supernatural. Uh, oddly, though, the deal is for a week, and I don't know what he had to give him. Do you know what I'm saying? Yep. Like, why is it only a week, and what did he give him in return? Well, it was like, I'll tell you later when you see me in the mirror, and then and he then doesn't he look. look. <laughs> oh, but he does, though, at the end. Oh, is that why he kills him? Well, ah, he talks specifically, yeah, join me in the mirror. It sounds like it, it seems like uh, some sort of thing. Like I'm going to take you into hell. I mean, it isn't okay. um, very so you get specific, another week. but you get this idea that like he's he's given up his soul almost. It, it felt like that was the idea they were going right. for. But you get one one week for your soul. Yeah, Whew. some bad negotiating. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but then if again, you are approached by a disembodied voice on your deathbed who cackles evilly. Just pretend to be dead. I think there's something interesting <laughs> though about. They kind of make a point of that in the sense of, in that panic, you'd agree to anything. I'll give you a week. Fine, fine. Just, you know. Yeah. So I think he got taken advantage of. I mean, how how well can you negotiate in that situation? Yeah. <laughs> I love the story. I like the ending a lot. Uh, I got caught off guard. And this has only happened 20 times, you know, in any kind of movie or storytelling. I love being caught off guard. Usual Suspects. Had no idea until he stopped limping. I loved that I yeah. didn't know. Um, well, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I didn't really say what happened. No. Uh, what's the the Bruce Willis movie? Um, Sixth Sense? Yeah. yeah. I had no idea. And I loved it. You know, and a lot of people say, oh, I saw it coming. I didn't. Yeah. And I was confused all the way up until they told me. And I went, ah, oh, cool. <laughs> In this one, I loved that he came out and said, He's been dead for a week. I thought that was a really oh, yeah. cool That's thing nice at the end. Time. I yeah. did. I, th- I thought that was fantastic. And I went, oh, man, he's dead for a week. Yeah. <laughs> he's I feel been like the, dead. I feel like the line they didn't include, the next line would be, and you're under arrest. That's <laughs> 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 so immediately what I thought. That poor wife is now going to go, ah. Uh, yeah, right? Why did you been dragging this dead body around for a week? Why did you rip his face off a week ago and then just leave him And move up here to this cabin. <laughs> 
Oh, good point. Uh, uh, let's think this whole thing through. <laughs> that poor woman. Yeah, she that's got gonna be hosed a, in this deal, for sure. That's going to uh, be a lot of splaining. There's there's another uh, unintentionally funny scene that I actually really love. Again, might have been, I think it's maybe accidentally brilliant. I don't know. But when he decides, I'm going to call the hospital and see if I'm there and dead. <laughs> Right? So and it's not it's not just that idea of a scene. Yeah. And but then she's like, well, hold on, let me check. And he's left on hold, and he's like, he's talking to himself. I was like, this is crazy. This is absurd. Who wrote this? I mean, it's actually, you know, but it was. The- but it's a kind of brilliant little moment to leave him uncomfortably sitting on hold. Yeah. And I had no like, is he gonna beat that? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. And and again, I think if you maybe think- had more writing experience, you might not have written that. But, yes. Yeah. Uh, I think it's perfectly but it's logical. Nice. It's a logical thing to do. If I was in that situation, I might. Did that happen? I think I'd call the hospital and see if that happened. But it is weird. Was I in there today <laughs> yeah. with my face ripped off? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I was. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> uh, this is me. What? Well, look, um, I'll be right back. It so- uses that uh, suspense horror trope of the limited amount of time. I think mm-hmm. the last time we had one of these was in yeah, like Casting a, the Runes. I casting think. the Runes from Escape many right. months ago. Uh, but it naturally just ratchets up the suspense as you get closer and closer. Mm-hmm. And I love that it's old enough that the only sign that you haven't looked at yourself in the mirror <laughs> is that you you haven't shaved. Now, that you, you that would not be a tell today. Yes. You'd be like, you haven't taken a selfie in five days. <laughs> You're scared to look at yourself. <laughs> I knew it was coming. When she said, before we go, I said out loud, you have to go shave. I knew it was coming. I like this whole thing. I like this story. I like how it was done. I love the scariness. So going back to the audio that we couldn't discern, mm-hmm. and I had to go back and listen to that scene. Like, what are they saying? Oh, this is terrible. They're just screaming. That's not very well done. And then I thought, actually, the chaos of that is gorgeous you know like i can't see what's happening i can't discern and then he says there's blood everywhere and then the guy starts talking and it's not an artery you know and you hear little things just enough to see this blood everywhere in the room you know so i think again accidentally bad audio created (laughs) a really chaotic scenario but I love the transition music, if I can call it music. It's more this sort of loud, discordant, sort of jangling sound in between. It was really unnerving, and I thought effective. And I did like – it was kind of a ripoff, but I did like the opening. It was very Twilight Zone-esque, uh, the, the the dialogue and the music underneath. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's because of his, his voice. Uh, the, the oh, yeah. The announcer sounds like Serling to me. I hate the word macabre. <laughs> <laughs> well – is that going to make or break this episode for you? It might break it. I hate the word <laughs> so much. Uh, Tim, uh, where did this come from? How did you find this? Oh, I, I should name check it because I use it so often. There's this wonderful collection of old time radio shows that really is just like a, a salad of random different ones. Um, mm, salad. Salad. <laughs> uh, that I'll just like, I want a random title of a series that I will go here and and this was among their random titles that I will put on the website. I'll link to it because I go to it so often. And you can't remember it right and now. And I can't remember right now. <laughs> when you listen to it, you wanted us to listen to it. Is it because you loved it? Uh, it's because it uh, that, that specific aspect I said of like it, there's so many things right that I don't think were necessarily intentional. But if they <laughs> if they did it the normal way, they would never have gotten these wonderful things. Right. 
Joshua, what do you think? Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it. I think it was very different from other things for all the reasons Tim just said that we usually listen to, while on the surface really being pretty traditional. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a traditional horror, supernatural story. Um, and some untraditional some, things, yeah, too. Yeah, and the untraditional things are really small. So yep. it takes it's, – it's something that I think if you listen to a lot of old-time radio first, you will appreciate this more to see the variations, intentional or not, that they pull off. So I, I would say, you know, it's – was fun to listen to not a classic but i would definitely listen to some other episodes of macabre (laughs) (laughs) i say it stands the test of time i i think that anybody listening to this would find it uh suspenseful and scary and interesting i think it's really well written i love the story a lot uh there's some performance stuff, yeah, but I don't find them too distracting at all. Uh, so I really like it. Uh, timeless classic, no, it's not a classic. It's not you know top 100 ever, but I think it's a great story and pretty well done. And I would recommend people listening to this. Well, uh, to, in order to recommend it, you're going to have to say macabre. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> I'm not saying it. Macabre. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for listening, and uh, we appreciate listening to the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society. If you'd like to learn more about what's going on with us, you can go to... GhoulishDelights.com. And there you will find what? You'll find old episodes that we have done previously. You can also find more information about our live performances. We go out in the world and perform live versions of classic old radio shows, including some we have listened to on the podcast. And we will be performing those at the James Hill Center in downtown St. Paul, Minnesota, and uh, through May. So please, uh, if you can and you're in the area, drop in and uh, pay the, what, 15 bucks for a solid hour of really great entertainment. Because we're really good. (laughs) (laughs) We are professional. While you're listening to this, you could do us another favor. Yeah, you could go to iTunes and leave us a swanky review, a five-star nice review, or any star review, really. We honestly just want to hear back from uh, you guys and uh, let us know if you're enjoying it or if you have any suggestions. Uh, And reviews of any kind really do help. It helps uh, draw attention to the podcast on iTunes, so thank you. Next time, what are we listening to? We are listening to The Mysterious Traveler, an episode called The Good Die Young. So it's going to be a really uplifting, positive, life-affirming episode. (laughs) Until then. Look out!